Welcome to episode 17 of Armchair Donkeys with special guest Joel Klatt, who's a college football color commentator with Fox Sports and was a teammate at the University of Colorado. Klatt, you were a little bit older than the typical freshman when you arrived on campus in 02 after a stint uh, in the San Diego Padres farm system. Tell us a little bit about the decision-making process that took you down that path and what eventually led you to see you. Well, uh, it's funny, and I'm glad I'm glad Bob's on this podcast so he can hear this too, because he played a direct role in in my life path, whether he knows it or not. Um, listen, uh, I decided to play baseball out of high school because I was a better baseball player than I was football player. That was kind of just the bottom line. I had better opportunities as a baseball player, so I chased that that road. I was an 11th round draft selection, and it became apparent both because I wasn't ready. Um, just personally and the failure of like, you know, hitting just above 200, it was like, Hey, this ain't working out. Right. I might need a degree. So, uh, I, I decided like that I need to go back to school. And to be honest, everyone thinks that it was a football decision, baseball, football decision. It really wasn't. I decided to leave baseball completely separate from the fact that I would have eligibility left to play football. So I wasn't recruited by Colorado. I wasn't recruited by Colorado State. No Division One schools from a football perspective. I was a Division Two recruit. And so I decided I wanted to go to a place that had great football, uh, that I would get a good degree, and maybe I could walk on. And that place was Colorado. And the reason that I wanted to go to Colorado is because uh, right before my last spring training was the fall of 2001. And I was sitting in the stands uh, when you guys played Nebraska and you beat them 62 to 36, all roads go back to that game. But watching, you know, watching Bob and, and you guys do what you did to Nebraska, I was with my best friend in the world and I was complaining about my life during the game. Like this is epic game. And I was like, man, this is amazing. Look at all these kids. They're having so much fun. Like, look at this. This is amazing. I hate baseball. What am I doing? And he looked at me and it was kind of one of those only a best friend can say this. He was like, hey, shut up and do it then. <laughs> and I was like, uh, all right, you know, and that's what led me to Colorado to be totally honest with you. So I walked on, had very little expectation, never thought I would actually play. Um, because again, I wasn't recruited out of high school, but once I got back and, and got around you guys, Bob had, you had just graduated Bo, then you were going into kind of your um, uh, upperclassmen years, your last year there. And I remember getting around to all of you guys in the summer and it was kind of an epiphany. Derek McCoy walked up to me and he was like, Hey, you, like, you're pretty good. And I was like, Oh, like, wait, this might work out. I might be able to do this. Um, so that's, that was my path. That's kind of a down and dirty quick version of how I got to Colorado. I love it. Before we jump into this thing, I want to tell a quick story because you were pretty good clap. Uh, we ran the West Coast offense when we were at Colorado. We had a play called 22Z Curl Y Go. And I, <laughs> I used to hate when you guys called that play because my job as a tight end was to clear out the defense on the go route so you guys could hit the Z on the curl, the tailback on the swing, or check it down to the X, who I believe was sitting over the ball. That's right. Now, in my first four years at CU, I'm guessing I ran close to a mile on that play. And never, <laughs> never once did I see the ball come my way until my senior year. I think we're in training camp, uh, and we're, we've got this 20-something-year-old freshman QB who, who calls 22Z curl wide go on the huddle. And on the snap, I take off like a bat out of hell. 
and I get behind the defense like I usually did on that play. And I just so happened to look up at the last second as the ball falls right into my bread basket. <laughs> now I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Watson get, got in your ass after that. Because <laughs> I wasn't Very... in the progression, but I knew then that you were going to be a special player at CU. Here's what I hated. Okay, this is great. I remember that specifically because you're right. It was one of the first times Watts got all over me, you know. <laughs> what are you? It is one curl. <laughs> you know, he's all over me. And I and I said to him very calmly, I was like, Yeah, but the wise alerted versus open. And and he was like, ah. <laughs> And you know, Bob, you remember when he wouldn't have like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and he was just like, James, you're in. And he just replaced <laughs> me in, in the huddle. And I was just like, Oh, what what's going on? I remember oh, that specifically. Watch, watch I uh, that's I love that you had that answer because that was my first question. How did Watts respond? After he didn't. Throw, after he, you throw in that ball. He replaced me. He replaced <laughs> me. He put James in the lineup. All right, Clack. This show is all about trying to best the Vegas odds makers. We've got two fantastic maps, fantastic matchups this weekend. Bob, why don't you start us off in Kansas City, where Cool Joe and his Bengals are being gifted seven points before this thing even kicks. The over/under in this game is fifty-four and a half. Uh, yeah, I think we're in for another good weekend of football, guys. Um, personally, you know, I think the Chiefs have been this team where, you know, through the be- first part of the season, halfway through the season, they weren't this like explosive offense that we're used to seeing. But over the last few weeks, they've, you know, come back to who we know them to be. So um, I, I don't think they're not, they're not going to have any problems scoring points, but I also think it'll be pretty similar to last weekend's game against the Bills where, you know, they're going to have a hard time slowing the Bengals down as well. So um, right now, I mean, it, that's a lot of points, uh, you know, when you're giving up a, a, a touchdown um, and especially, you know, if you can tease it with something else and get it a six or seven more points for the Bengals, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be close. So I like um, the, the Bengals and, and, the, and the young kid, you know, these guys, you know, the beauty of sports and competing, which you guys know, right you don't know what you don't know. And the Bengals mm-hmm. are, the Bengals are just flying around having fun and they're pretty damn good and they're winning games. So I don't, I don't see that. I mean, I don't, I don't think they leave Kansas city with a win, but the, the gambling part of me likes the points. And even if you, you know, want to tease it and, and get more points. I mean, like if I, if I jump in, we didn't see this game. Well, we saw this game not long ago. Right. And, and it was in Cincinnati. They combined for, I believe it was like 65 points, um, over 900 yards of offense. And, and that's in, in a regular season, which I would argue in particular after what we saw last week is, is, is not as explosive as what you're probably going to see in the playoffs. So from, from my seat, I look at like the, the Bengals getting seven is interesting. I look at that total. And I'm like, 54 and a half seems low for these two teams, these two quarterbacks, these two wide receiver groups, in particular after what we saw in that last game. And I know it was in Cincinnati, but Cincinnati got that win, 34-31. Uh, the Chiefs were playing hard because they needed home field um, advantage in that, which they didn't get because they lost that game. And I just don't think that the Chiefs has an, have, have an answer for the passing game of the Bengals. Now, that doesn't mean I think the Chiefs are going to lose the game. I, I, I would pick them to win, but man, that that total to me is what stuck out. Uh, uh, stuck out fifty four and a half when we just saw them climb 
over that by 10 and a half points not that long ago. In Joe Burrow in games that matter, I always go back, like, if you go back to when he's really on the line in the last, like, five, six times that that's been the case going back to college, this dude is lights out. And I, I expect him to be similar this weekend. Uh, I'm with both of you guys. I think it's tough not to think <clears throat> that the Chiefs are, are not going back to their third Super Bowl in a row here, especially after they did last week. But like you said, there's something special about this Cincinnati kid. I know he was sacked a playoff record nine times last week. But as a quarterback, with which both of you were, talk a little bit about the kind of poise it takes to get dropped nine times like that while still completing 28 to 37 for 348 yards and leading your team to a victory on the road against the number one seed in the AFC. Well, I feel like more of an expert on that because of the offensive line Bob played behind versus the offensive line I played behind. I'm just going to throw that out there. Is that Bob? No, I, I was I was actually going to say I will let Joel take this one because he took way more of a beating than I did because um, the guys that were up front for me were were pretty damn special. Man, they were good. Uh, and, you know, so I got a false sense sitting in the stands complaining to my buddy. I was like, well, this looks great. Um, quick story about that. And I know it, it's not all story time, but it, it deals with the, the question specifically. Um, I dealt with this right away. In my second start ever, um, Bo, I don't know if you, you remember, we played UCLA at home. Remember, like, we had gone out my first year and played them at the Rose Bowl. I was and at that game. You were at that game. You had, you had come back, and we played them. And this is the first year. Remember, Embry and Bienemy and Doc all left, and they were on the UCLA staff with Carl Durrell, who's now the head coach in Boulder. But they came into town. They had MJD and Mercedes Lewis, and, like, they, they were a pretty good team. And we ended up winning the game, really low-scoring game. But – I'll always remember that was the first time I got a false sense of what college football was like in my first start because we played Colorado State. They didn't have a great pass rush, and we got after them offensively. We scored, I think, 42 points in that game, and, and we threw for a bunch of yards. And so the second game that I go out there, I'm like, you know, that's just what college football is. Well, they had two brothers. I think they were twins, Dave and Dan Ball, as yeah. defensive ends. Yeah, yeah. And, like – you guys used to do well. The, my teammates at the time, I got hit so many times by the Ball brothers that I became the the twin ball sack. <laughs> True story. Uh, first of many concussions, um, and so that that was. I remember vividly, Bo, like being on the ground after one of the times that that I think it was Dave Ball hit me, and he was an All American. And I just remember thinking about what you just asked, like, am I going to be a guy that gets up, you know, and, and, and leads, or am I going to be a guy that, that wallows in self-pity and it, you have to decide it's, it's a conscious decision to get back up. It's a conscious decision to be the clown with the sand in the bottom that gets, you know, comes right back for it, whether it hurts or not. And so I tell that story because Joe Burrow has that. And he proved that last week where he makes a conscious decision that if he can physically get up, he's going to be up. And I think that that gives their entire uh, offense and their entire team its identity and their confidence. He had it at LSU, certainly, in those two years. 
And now he's brought that type of uh, identity to Cincinnati. And that conscious decision to get up, regardless of what's going on around him, and continue to play and continue to play with the details and operate the offense, um, I, you know, I commend him for that because it's not easy to do. Uh, trust me, there there was a lot of times I'm like, you know what, I, I need to stay down because this is not going well. <laughs> that that day, the balls hit me so much that in the fourth quarter, we're driving in the two-minute situation to to try to win the game, and they finally throw a roughing the passer penalty. like a And, and the student section, because we're going to the Dal Ward Center side, right? So we started on like the, the horseshoe side, and we're going down the other end. And and the student section starts chanting, 42's a bitch, 42's a bitch. <laughs> and I remember, God is my witness, God is my witness, guys. I ran up to him as we're walking off the 15 yards. I think it was Dave or, Dave or Dan, I, whatever. And I tapped him on the butt, and I just kind of got right next to him. I was like, hey, no, you're not, man. No, you're not. Because <laughs> he hit me 15 uh, times that day. You know, that they... He, he beat me for a sack. Um, it was one of those, uh, I think it was a, I can't remember what it was, Denver maybe, where we're sliding down and I didn't have enough pressure on the inside and I didn't give enough pressure. He slipped right through and he got a, a got a sack against us and EB reared my ass for that <laughs> You know, the other thing that it does, right, not only does it, if you keep getting up like Burrow's doing and like Joel had to do, but not only does it let your teammates rally around you, Right. But it makes that defense, they keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and you just keep getting up and you keep making throws no matter how much they're beating you into the ground. Like it, they slow down after a while. Right. Because it, it, you just keep, you're overtaking them. Right. Because you're just keep getting up no matter what they do to you. I only had one day like that in 2000 against Washington and Larry Triplett. I don't know if you remember, Bo, but Marwan Hage made his first start as a true freshman. <laughs> and they just and they just put Larry Triplett over him every down. I, I mean, I don't know how many times he hit me, but I mean, he beat my ass that whole day. Oh. Along with uh, first he would first he beat Marwan's ass, and then he beat my ass all throughout. There you that go. Day. <laughs> it's always like it's always a two for one. And I don't yeah. want to listen. I know this is about betting, and guys, we're going to get to the games. But uh, I like I would be remiss if I didn't tell this story. Do you guys remember Tommy Harris at Oklahoma? Yeah, defensive yeah. tackle, right? Monster. We played Oklahoma in 2003. They were number one. They come into Boulder, and we give Brian Daniels, as a true freshman, his first start at week guard. And that week, we decide it's a brilliant idea to install three-jet protection along with two-jet. So three-jet means that the weak side is going to be manned up, and we're going to slide strong. Remember? And so the three technique in our first third down of the game is Tommy Harris, and Brian Daniels is man-to-man protection on Tommy Harris. Brian Daniels was three months removed from the prom, and Tommy Harris puts his hand <laughs> in the ground, and he looks, you know, like it looks like an absolute Roman pillar goes down. He beat Daniels so fast that he thought it was a screen and stopped. And we were looking at each other eyeball to eyeball, and I was like, nah, and I just threw it at Bobby's feet, Bobby purifies feet, and it wasn't a screen. And he looked at me, and he was like, oh, I won't happen. That won't happen again. I, I ran off the field. I, I got on the headset and I told Watts, I was like, hey, Watts, you call three jet again. I'm calling timeout. <laughs> <laughs> so here's here's one of the things that impresses me most about Joe Burrow. Yes, he's been taking those hits and getting back up. But also, we didn't we didn't see any errant throws out of him. We didn't see any rush throws. He takes the sack. If he's got to take the sack, he takes the sack. And I think that's 
pretty uh, special, and it, it just clearly shows the kind of poise that that guy has. Yep. I don't think that I don't think the Chiefs' pass rush is as scary as the Titans' pass rush, and uh, I think that we're going to have another shootout on our hands with with Burrow really matching the play of Mahomes here in what might be another last man standing type of game. And yeah. for that reason, I like the Bengals plus seven, Bob. I'm with you in that. And I'm with you on the tease. I love the Bengals plus 14 in a seven-point teaser. I, I will say this about Burrow is – and he, he displayed this in college, and it's brought – it's it's the same right into um, his first few years here in the NFL. Um, the guy processes information so quickly, and he does it within rhythm. I've always loved his footwork. He just plays with – with this ease and rhythm, his footwork almost reminds me a little bit of a Joe Montana-esque. You know, he's just always in rhythm and he's not panicked. You never see the, like, fast, choppy, sink-down steps. He's always just kind of moving, gliding, back foot, you know, under himself so he can get the ball out. And it allows him to be incredibly accurate down the field, regardless of what's going on around him. Um, and then he... he he goes by the old adage as Bob will roll his eyes. You never go broke taking a profit. You know, he doesn't. <laughs> How many times do we hear that? <laughs> but he doesn't, right? Like a sack at times is, is fine. Like yeah. you, you're going to take the sack. He doesn't do it in the red zone or when he's just in field goal range because he's smarter than that. Right. But in the normal course of downs, he understands if we need to punt here, that's, that, that's going to be okay. The last thing I'm going to do is force the ball and give them a free possession because he understands the value of the possession. So his ability to process information in rhythm and then his understanding of, of not forcing the football I think is very unique for a young player and gives them a great passing offense. And by the way, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. His, you know, Zach Taylor cut his teeth as a West Coast guy, right? So this is, is what, and this is what we ran, guys, but Zach played at Nebraska they ran the West Coast under Bill Callahan. Then he was kind of a Sean McVay guy. He was under Mike Sherman as an assistant coach at Texas A&M, where he was the quarterback coach to Ryan Tannehill when Tannehill switched from wide receiver to quarterback. Um, so this guy's been around for a long time, uh, Zach, and he played the position and understands what Joe is going through there. And you can sense and feel that rhythm and timing to their passing game. You know, the timing and the spacing of what they do in the passing game is really unique. And I think it's 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 really good, and that's what allows them to have success. All right, Clat, take us to SoFi, where the 49ers are a three and a half point dog at the Rams. The over under in this game is forty five and a half. This feels like the team that maybe isn't as talented as the opponent, but the 49ers, for whatever reason, just have the Rams number, and I think it's because they play a grittier, tougher style of game. Um, I think that the Rams have a lot of flash, a lot of flash, even defensively, a lot of flash. The problem is, is that 49ers team, they, they are relentless. It feels like they should be a cold weather team. Last week when I was watching the Green Bay 49er game, I was like, these two teams are in opposite cities. Rodgers would rather be playing in Northern California. He would have, I think Aaron Rodgers would have rather that game been in, in, in San Francisco yeah. or Santa Clara, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the 49ers are like, no, our, our game travels because of what they do at the line of scrimmage. And that's what I think the Rams struggle with is, is matching the 49ers at the line of scrimmage. I really like the Niners in this one. They're getting three and a half. Um, 
I, I don't love the the over under just because you, you could see the defenses play well. You could also see the offenses get loose. I don't have a great feel on that, but I do like the Niners getting three and a half there. Bob, what do you see in here? Well, um, you know, I still think the Rams are the best team in the NFL and they're playing well at the right time. So are the 49ers. So I'm not taking that away from them. I just think that when you have that much talent on the field that the Rams have, and they're in this type of moment, they're at home. I think Stafford's playing really well. Um, I, I don't, I think it's going to be close. So I go back to what we talked about, Bo, you know, maybe teasing this thing with the other game and, and pushing the Niners up to, to 10 or 10 and a half and, and taking that advantage. Um, I think the Rams win the game. Um, a year ago, I bet the Rams to win the Super Bowl the day the Stafford trade was made. Uh, Ooh. So, what What was the number on that? Plus 1300. Come wow. on. Uh, Come on. So, Let's go. So, I still think they, and maybe it's because I know I have that bet riding, but I still think the Rams are, <laughs> I just think they, they can be so, right? Stafford could show up and play like we've seen him play and just ruin the whole game for him. But if he plays well, if he protects the football, I just think they have too much talent on both sides of the ball. Um, for them not to win this game. But I do like the Niners teasing it and get and getting those points up to 10. I like where your head's on that, on that, on that Bob. I think whoever wins this game is going to win the Super Bowl. The Rams are trying to buy it. You know, since 2019, they landed Jalen Ramsey for two first-rounders and a fourth-rounder, Vaughn Miller for a second- and third-round pick, Stafford for Goff, two first-round picks and a third-round pick. They've sacrificed the youth of this team to go out and get a Super Bowl this year. And I've been saying this all year. I think the league would love to see a Super Bowl champion here in L.A. to give this weak L.A. fan base a boost. Consider the fact that Lincoln Riley is going to have the Trojans back on top in this town. The Rams need a championship to compete with that strong SE fan base. And what better way to make that happen than by beating your in-state rival 49ers in route to a Super Bowl title. Now, that's going to be a lot easier said than done. I'm kind of with you on this, clap. This 49er team reminds me of the 2007 New York Giants. I just watched uh, The Man in the Arena last night. Episode four was, was Brady going up against Strahan's team, Brady and Randy Moss. And I'm sitting there watching this episode going, man, this this feels a lot like the 49ers team this year kind of struggling through the middle of the season, dealing with some injuries and they have been three heavyweight fights in a row. And for whatever reason, they just feel like a team of destiny to me. I think the Rams may get it done, but I like the 49ers uh, plus 10 and a half in that two team teaser with the Bengals plus 14. I think I, there's a lot know, of points, you know, to, to take. So I like it. I, I don't mind that tease at, at all. I, I, I love the comparison to that Giants team, in particular when you're talking about what's the quickest way to slow down talent, and it is to get to the quarterback. You know, make the, the quarterback's life a living hell. That's what the Patriots did to Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf. That's what the Giants did to the, the Patriots team that, that had Moss and, and, and obviously Brady. You see it time and time again. To, to a certain extent, that's what the Rams did to Brady last week. You know, they just made his life difficult. Um, that, that's what the 49ers were able to do to Aaron Rodgers. So 
they're going to get after Stafford. There's no doubt. And I can tell you this. I actually know Matt really well. He, he lives down here in, in Orange County in the offseason, and we play a lot of golf together. This, this dude is – the day you made that bet and he got traded, I was texting with him, and he said, this is my chance to win a Super Bowl. Like, it is – they know it. He knows it. McVay knows it. All of them know it. And so you're going to get this, this incredible sense of urgency from the Rams – against what I feel like is just the constant of this toughness at the line of scrimmage from the 49ers. I expect it to be an, a, a fantastic game. The more I'm thinking about it, that 45 and a half, I know it's low, but guys, I even with all the speed on the field, do, don't you just get a sense that you could see easily like 21-10, you know, 17-14, something along those lines like we saw last week with the, the Packers and 49ers? 100%. I hate taking unders because they're they're tough to root for, but I know uh, I could definitely see it. My, my biggest concern with Stafford is he hasn't been there, right? And we do see at times he gets into a little bit of, of a panic. And if there's anybody that can put McVay and Stafford into panic mode, I think that it's this 49ers uh, pass rush. And I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be a hell of a game. Here, here's what I... Do you think there's a coach doing more with less, and I probably more at the quarterback position than Kyle Shanahan in the NFL? Everybody else has to have like elite quarterback, and this guy seems to just here he is again. You know, I mean, went to a Super Bowl a few years ago uh, when the Chiefs beat him. Here he is back again in the NFC Championship game. Like this guy is proving out to be one of the top two, three, four coaches in the National Football Uh, League. Yeah, absolutely, he's doing a hell of a job. I think the biggest part of this game, guys, this is what I don't like about the Rams and McVay. They, when they get up, I feel like he takes his foot off the gas pedal and then, and then the game goes sideways instead of just stepping on their throats, right. keep scoring, keep their offense going. Because the second they slow down and they don't do what they do, everybody comes back in the game against them. It's so the mentality I, of the whole team and the play calling and everything when they get – I mean, yeah. we've seen it twice now. They're up 17 nothing on the Niners. They're up huge on Tampa Bay. And they just kind of start fluttering. It's like, every, he like calls off the dogs. Digits. Yeah. So I hope they if they if they get out early, I think I would like to see him to just put the foot on the gas pedal and do what the do what the Bills did to the Patriots. Sure. Just just keep going and score just and score. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the 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 thing you mentioned quickly, Bo, about LA is hundred percent accurate. While the NFL is king, and no one would argue that it's not. It is a rarity that in the second biggest city in our country, if USC is good, they're bigger than the Rams, right? So, like, yeah. it's 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 such an interesting town to be in because no one's really affiliated with these NFL teams like the Rams and Chargers, but everyone's desperate for USC to become a power again, and it certainly feels like Lincoln Riley is going to put them on that trajectory. Those Matt, those Matt Leinert, Reggie Bush teams, and I know oh. you work with those guys. Those guys were kings when yeah. they were in, in LA. They, they were as big as the celebrities you could get in this town when they were in college. Matt tells me a story that because the Lakers were great those years, remember? They had Kobe Shaq, they were winning titles. And Matt tells me stories that he and Reggie would get into clubs before Lakers. <laughs> during those years like like reggie bush was the biggest star in los angeles period yep. Yep. 
Well, hell, back in those days, you, you look, you go to a USC game now, there's not one celebrity there. But back in those right. days, when they would, you know, when they'd be on TV, they'd be scanning the show, like, here's everybody on the sideline, right? Because, yep. you know, that they got to show their face, whatever the hottest ticket is in town. That's right. I, I think Lincoln Riley's going to get him back to that. Clat, I know uh, how busy you are, and I just want to say thank you for coming on to talk football with Bob and I today. Uh, we had Chez on last week, and uh, I wish yeah. I could say that one of us had a whole lot of hope for the upcoming season in Boulder. Well, listen, my man, my man Chez, I feel like I'm talking him off of a ledge every other day on the on the text, you know, and man, I love that guy so much. I'm glad you, that you had him on. It's great to talk with you guys. Hopefully, you know, we can all get together sometime soon. I know that we're doing a golf event for Gary at some point, so hopefully I can get back for that. But it'd be great to see you boys, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Clyde. I appreciate you, man.